Welcome back. We are studying the ninth chapter of Ilchot Matenot Aniim. This chapter two deals with Halachot of Tzedakah. And it's going to deal with some of the responsibilities and the and the Hanhagot and the customs that apply to Gabbai Tzedakah, to those in charge of collecting and distributing the Tzedakah. Halacha Aleph, Kol Israel hayavin le'amid mehen Gabbai Tzedakah. Every city that has Jews living in it must have, must have appointed people responsible for tzedakah. Anashim yedu'aim v'neemanim. They have to be people that are known and that are trustworthy. Shehiyu mehazerin al-ha'am me'erev Shabbat de'erev Shabbat. That they should go around and collect money from people weekly. Ve'lokhin mikol echad ve'echad mashu'ra u'i litem et'avar ha'katsuv elav. And they should collect from every person that which that person has been estimated he, he should be contributing and uh, each person used to have a certain number that they so let's say you make x amount of dollars per year and these are your expenses everyone knows about this so this is how much the city will expect to expect you to expect you to contribute to the name of the city they too are the ones that are going to then distribute this this ma'od, these proceeds weekly as well. And they give to each poor and poor person enough food that is sufficient for the rest, for the remainder of the week. And this pool of money that the Gabayim collect weekly and distribute weekly, it's what we are going to call throughout this chapter, the Kupa of Tzedakah. Halakha so too, in addition to the kupat we also have gabayim, people responsible for collecting, not weekly, but daily, from each and every home, um, all kinds of food products, or also actual money from anyone who spontaneously wants to donate, other than weekly. And then they distribute this, whatever they collect, at night to the Anim. From there, they distribute to each Ani according to what that Ani needs for the following day. That's what's called Tamhui. So Tamhui is mostly food items, although there could also be some monetary amounts. Kupa is mostly money. And the difference between Tamhui and Kupa is Tamhui is weekly, Kupa is daily. Uh, sorry, Tamhui is, is daily, Kupa is weekly. Halacha Gimal, Me'olam lo ra'inu velo shamanu bekahal mi Yisrael she'en lahen Kupa shlitzaka. Rambam says, we've never heard of any community that does not have a Kupa of Tzedaka. Avala Tamhui, however, the Tamhui, yesh mikomot shenha gubo, yesh mikomot shenha gubo. That depends on the place. Some places indeed have a Tamhui, some places do not have a Tamhui. And the, the minhag that has been spread out today is that the Gabae Kupa are the ones who also collect daily and then they distribute weekly. In other words, they made a hybrid function of Tamhui and Kupa whereby the collection is made daily but the distribution is made weekly. In addition to distributing Tamhui weekly or the more modern hybrid approach uh, distribu distributing the Tamhui and the Kupa weekly, 
um, or the old approach is shipping the Tamhui daily. On the Ta'anit, on the day of Ta'anit also, after the Ta'anit, the Anim need to be given some food with which to break the fast. And every Ta'anit were the people of the city. They did Ta'anit, then they broke the fast, then they went to sleep without worrying about their destitute brethren. These are like murderers. And about them, it is said in our, uh, in our tradition, whenever we say Kabbalah, Oftentimes, uh, that's a term referring to to Divrehan Nevi'im, to to the books of the prophets, and this pasuk is actually from Yeshayahu. Sedek Yalin Baha Ve'atam about Jerusalem. That Jerusalem used to be a city where people used that justice used to sleep there, used to dwell there, and now they are murderers. In other words, if Sedek, if there is no Sedaka Yalin Baha, there goes a Derasha. Now the people are deemed to be meratzechim, are deemed to be murderers. When are we saying that these are like meratzechim? When what they didn't distribute was bread and things that are eaten together with the bread, like dates or like grapes. However, if what was delayed for the next day was actual money or grains, raw grains, which obviously are not going to help much the poor people to break the fast right now because there needs to be a process before they can eat it. Then this is not Meratzechim because these things in any ways would not would not have been ready for breaking the fast. Halachahe. Hakupa. The kupa, when the gabaim go around collecting for the kupa, again, kupa is a daily, is a weekly one, the one for which you collect money, has to be collected by couples, by two or more people at the same time. The gabaim cannot go by them, a gabai cannot go by himself to collect sibur, Because one may not impose any kind of tax or any kind of burden on the public that has to do with monetary issues in less than two people in other words uh, we never had in Am Israel uh, the problem that they had all around the world with Koim with tax collectors whereby one individual would be tasked with collecting um, money from the people taxing the people which is a recipe for corruption. If you have two people, then you have two sets of interests, potentially conflicting interests, and that's, that's a check that one presents on the other. Um, alas, as an aside, uh, Jesus used to be a tax collector, and apparently from many sources, not a very honest one, which is why he was killed by the Romans. Umutar and it's permitted, it's permissible to trust one person to then be in charge of supervising and of managing the actual kupa, not the collection, but actually custodying the amounts the pool that was collected. However, when it's distributed, the distribution needs to be done 
by three. Why is that? Because this distribution involves discretion and is discretion on the disposition of assets of a third person. And therefore you need a bedin for that. And you need discretion in estimating how much each ani that's going to receive from this kupa is going to receive weekly. And the tamhui, because it's not something fixed like the kupa, the kupa, there isn't much discretion, as we said before, they used to estimate how much each person is capable of and is appropriate that that person gives, and that's the amount that they would give every week. It was like a tax. The tamhui is more discretionary, and therefore we also need three on the way into the tamhui, not only in the distribution, but also at the collection stage. Shabbat, a couple of differences between, between them, tamhui and kupa. As we said before, tamhui is collected daily, the kupa is collected weekly. The tamhui, which is mostly food, is available for any ani, for any poor person from wherever they might be, even travelers and whatnot. However, the kupa is destined for supporting the aniim belonging to that city. It is permissible the people of the city may decide to change the purpose of the kupa to the tamhui or the tamhui to kupa or even the kupa or the tamhui to another purpose. That's that is of the needs of the city, for example, building a bit Knesset. This is what's called Hever Eid also in some other places. And if in the city there was a great sage, that at the end of the day, everyone consults him on the main decisions. He's the president of the community and everyone relies on what he estimates. Uh, for example, we used to have Hachambashi many times in many communities that represented the Jewish community with respect to the authorities. And if he has his authority of distributing this money to the Aniim, this Hacham, then he also has the authority to change the purpose of this Ma'ot to whatever he sees fit. The Gabayim of Zedakah, they may not separate one from the other in the Shuk while they are collecting, um, but the, 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 the distance they are allowed to get separated one from the other is... Um, so they used to have the main areas of the shuk that's called the shar. It's like the, the lobby of a mall. And then the hanuyot is the inside of the shuk. So from one area to the other, that's as far as they can go from one another. Halachatet. And, and why, why is that? We don't want them to be too far away from one another because, again, we have a requirement that they both do this together. So the togetherness requires for there not to be uh, a distance beyond this one. Halachatet. If 
if the Gabai finds some money in the shuk on the floor, which will belong to him, it has no um, ownership characteristics, there is nothing, no earmarks, uh, the money doesn't have any earmarks, and therefore there is no Ashabat Abeda on, on this money, on this maot, the person is going to be able, is going to be entitled to keep it for himself. However, imagine what would happen if people seized a Gabay of Tzedakah putting some money inside his pocket. So the solution is he has to put the money he found together with the Tzedakah, and then when he gets home, he takes it for himself. If the Gabay is collecting a debt that's owed to him, a loan that he has lent his friend, so he's on his capacity as a creditor right now, and he goes and collects his money from his friend, and this, the, the, the payment of this loan, the satisfaction of this loan is made to him in the shuk, in the middle of the street, Again, he should not put this money inside his pocket. Rather, he should put it with the big uh, pocket, the big uh, sack of coins of tzedakah. And when he gets home, he should take this. Also, when he counts how much he has for the tzedakah, he should never count two by two but it should only it should only count one by one and because a two by two counting two by two is a way that someone who would want to steal money to embezzle money would do it that way because it's easy to trick uh whoever is watching doesn't know how much the person is is counting and then uh, he can count the two that he has in his hand as one and then pocket one of those two the one that was not counted without anyone realizing and the pasuk said the Torah requires in Bemidbar that a person should be free from suspicion, both from Akadosh Baruch Hu and from also Am Israel. In other words, we have a responsibility to not act in a way that brings others to suspect us. If the Gabayim have not found Aniim, put people to whom to distribute what they have, then they exchange the monies of Sedaka with other people for smaller uh, quantities of, of higher value coins, but they should not do so with their own money because, again, someone seeing them putting the coins of Sedaka in their pocket is going to suspect that they are stealing for themselves. So too, the Gabayim of the now they have food items and they weren't able to distribute them. They don't want them to get to go to waste. They're going to go to the shuk and sell them and save that money for tzedakah, but they should, they should not be the ones buying it themselves. They should sell it to third parties. And on the other hand, seen from the other side, the people are not supposed to, to try to audit the Gabayet Tzedakah or to try to audit the Gizbarim with respect to Akdesh, because they are trustworthy, we chose them because they were trustworthy, they are subject to, uh, to fairly strict 
Hanhagot fairly strict measures, as we just mentioned, that prevent all kinds of embezzlement. And the idea here, that the halakha is trying to create a system where uh, this uh, gabayim behave in a very trust, in a very trust-building way, and everyone else trust, actually trust them. And we learn this from the Pasuk in, in Melachim, that uh, the people of the Bedek the Kohanim, nobody would count how much money was being given to them, I believe it is in the time of Yoshiao HaMelech, because they used to do so in, in, a, in a trustworthy way. Someone who's lived in a city for 30 days or more is already obligated to contribute to the kupa, which is a weekly one, with the rest of the people of the city. Once he lives there for, for three months, for 90 days, then he also becomes obligated to contribute to the tamhui. Once he's there for six months, half a year, he becomes obligated also on another kind of sedaka, which is to contribute items of, of clothing, garments to the anim. Yashav sham tishachodashim, once he's there for three quarters, nine months, kofin otoritem sedakalik burashe kovrim by ta'anim, ve'osin lahem kotsuche kevura, then he also becomes obligated to contribute for um, something akin to Hevra Kadisha of the time, which is a pool, a collection for providing for people who cannot afford uh, burial needs. Alachayud Gimal. Now we switch subjects slightly to who is entitled to, to take from, from, from the Kupa and the Tamhui. A person who has enough food for two meals, he may not take food from the Tamhui, which is for the most immediate needs, is distributed daily. It's for, for actual food to be able to survive the next day. If he has food for 14 meals, that's a week's worth of food. Back in the day, they only were, they only ate two saudot, not like we that eat three saudot for the most part. We have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They used to only have breakfast and dinner, and dinner was much earlier. And it was much earlier because they didn't have light at night. Light is a luxury that began to be very widely available starting with Mr. Rockefeller who came up with the, the genius idea of using the, the cheapest parts of oil as kerosene for lighting purposes, which made light very, very broadly available to everyone, which lengthened the, the, the usable time of the day. But back in the day, the day was much shorter and therefore they only had two meals. So 14 meals means a week's worth of food. So a person who has 14 meals cannot take from the kupa. If he had 200 zuzim, 200 zuzim, it's supposed to be um, the enough, it's like the minimum, minimum salary for one year worth of, but really the most, most basic items. So if he has enough for a year, or if he had 
and these 200 zoos that he had were, were stagnant, they weren't doing anything, or if he had 50 zoozim, but he was using them as an active business and making them, working that money, making that money work, which would be the equivalent of 200 zuzim of passive money. Then this person is not allowed to take from leket, shichecha, pe'a, and ma'asir ani, all of which we explained in prior chapters. If he had, however, less than 200, 199, then he's allowed to take even a thousand at once, because the moment he's taking it, he's still entitled to it, even though a second later he's going to be rich. And we are talking here about net worth, not the assets under his custody, but actual net worth. In other words, if he has debts that bring him under 200 uzim on the net, on a net basis, or if he owes, if he has to guarantee the 200 uzim of his wife's ketubah, and, and he has 200 zoo, but he also has a ketubah, and eventually, or at some point, perhaps he'll have to pay this 200 uzim for her, whether when he divorces her or when he dies, then those 200 zoo are not really his, and therefore, he's poor and he may take tzedakah. A poor person that uh, came to need money. However, he has a property, he has a house, and inside the house he has all kind of objects, all kind of things. Even if these were made of silver and gold, the halakha does not require this person to start selling all of his personal possessions, even if these are made of gold and silver, in order to, to, to receive tzedakah, rather, he's allowed to take, and it's a mitzvah to give to him. When are we talking? What, what's the, let's define this, let's clarify this a little bit. This is in the case of things that are for personal use and personal consumption, rather, like uh, um, garments to wear or, or um, cutlery with which to eat food, or things with which to sleep, like, like covers, <coughs> etc. However, if he has things made of silver or gold that do not need to be made of silver or gold, their function has nothing to do with that metal. So, for example, magreda, magreda is something with which it's a scratch or something to, with which to scratch parts of your body. Or Ali. Ali is something, it's a, um, it's what you grind, it's a grinder, something with which you grind. So obviously these things don't need to be made of gold or silver. So, so given that the function is going to be preserved, we do expect him to sell those, the mortar and the, and, and the, and the scratcher or things of the sort, and buy things that are cheaper that serve the same function. Amurim, 
אבל לאחר שגבע הצדקה, מחייבין אותו למכור כליו ולקח אחרים כחוטים בהן, ואחר כך ייטול. So when are we saying that it's a mitzvah to give to this person and he's entitled to take? This is before he wants to actually participate in the public tzedakah. So private tzedakah is what we just said. However, public tzedakah, the moment he wants to start receiving from the kupa or the tamhui that we just described, then we do expect him to start selling the things that he has and, and downgrade to cheaper things. Balabait means someone who is not poor. He's a normal average person. He has a house, he has possessions. But he's traveling right now. And the, the money he had taken to, to transact with just finished. So he's right now situationally poor. He actually has no money and he has nothing to eat. He's permitted to take leket, all matnot anim. When he gets back home, he doesn't need to pay back what he took. Because at that moment, he was indeed poor. And something analogous to this, to, to bring the point home and to make us understand intuitively why this should be the case, is if you have a ani, a poor person that became rich overnight, you don't expect him to pay back everything he took from tzedakah. Someone who has properties, and fields and houses and he could sell them and and not be poor however if he sells them now right now the market is down and if he waits a little bit he's going to get much better prices for those so that's as if he doesn't have them because he shouldn't be selling them right now when the market is down and we don't force him to sell and he's entitled to take tzedakah <laughs> It, he's permissible to have to take Maaser Ani until half the worth of their of those properties he has. And we don't expect them, we don't want them to, to, to feel pressured and to sell when it's not a good market for him. Now, let's say the market is great. It's a seller's market, and everyone is able to sell at very good prices for the sellers. However, he is only finding people are lowballing him and, and giving very low offers for what he has to, 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 to sell. Because they know that he's in, in a difficult financial situation, so they know that he, he's between a rock and a hard place. He cannot take tzedakah, but he cannot sell this. But they're trying to take advantage of his situation and, and try to, to offer him less than what, he's, than what he could otherwise get. <laughs> they 
So we don't force him to sell again. Rather, we let him take matenot anim to take the pressure off him and to signal to everyone else that he's not pressured to sell so that they give him normal offers uh, of what the thing is really worth. If the Gabaim or whoever makes a collection for a specific person, a particular person, Avraham, Kohen, they collected for him and they thought that to, to bring, bring him back to his needs, they needed to collect $10,000. But guess what? They collected $11,000. So actually he receives the, the entire amount, the $11,000. If the collection is made for Anim in general, for the poor people in general, any excess on the amount that was aimed for goes to that Anim. If it's for Pidion Shavuim, then the excess goes to the Shavuim. If it's for a particular Shavui, the, the added, the excess money should go for that particular person. I've had this case come up a couple of years ago. If the collection was for, for the dead, or taking care of the dead, then any excess of that collection should also go for that purpose. If it was for a particular person that passed away, then any excess is, is not wasted on beautifying the tombstone and beautifying the tachrichim, but rather it goes to that deceased person's heirs. Al-Chayotet la-Salacha Ani Shenatan perusta la-Tamchoyo perusta la-Kupa A poor person that wanted to give to the Kaan himself and he gave a peruta which is the smallest coin, of, coin available in the times of the Mishnah and the Gemara and he wanted to contribute to the Tamchoyo or the Kupa Mekabelinimeno the Gabayim should be willing to accept from him. Ve'im lo-Natan en mechayavin otoliten However, if he does not take the initiative to give, they don't obligate him to give. So it's purely voluntary. So too, if the Gabayim come with a new suit and the Ani wants to give back to them for somebody who's even poorer, the suit that the Gabayim had gotten him uh, last year or two years ago, then the Gabaim accept from him. However, they don't force him to do this. Again, this is purely discretionary, given that this person is a Ani. Baruch Adonai Amen ve